0: Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend, and happy Victory Friday. The Minnesota Timberwolves have won four consecutive games. They defeated the Golden State Warriors at home on Thursday night. This is the first time they've won four straight games since November of 2018, shortly after the Jimmy Butler trade when they sent him to Philadelphia. Let that sink in. That's two and a half years ago, basically two two years and five months ago, Tom Thibodeau was still the head coach. And since then they've only had, I think it was three, three game winning streaks since that point with the last one occurring in the first three games of last season, which was a year and five months ago. So uh, this is I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's uncharted territory for the Timberwolves of the past two seasons, and uh, it's exciting and it's positive. Uh, the direction that the Wolves are headed is positive, certainly, um, with a relatively healthy roster. So we're going to break down the game. We're going to talk about uh, the game flow, key takeaways, as well as individual studs and duds from Wolves Warriors on Thursday. First, though, a quick reminder, as always, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey. A U D A C Y. You can also follow the show account on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves, and my account is at B Beacon. That's B Beacon. Two Bs, two Es. C K E N. Okay. So, uh, Wolves Warriors. This was the first time the Wolves had faced the Warriors since mid mid late ish January, when no D'Lo, no Towns in those games. Two of the four games all season the Wolves had. Neither D'Lo or Towns available. The Wolves, of course, lost both those games in Golden State. It was the the Wiseman-Edwards showdown. Of course, Wiseman's out now for the rest of the season with the meniscus tear. And to be clear, this is a pretty banged up Golden State team. Eric Paschal didn't play. Kelly Oubre didn't play. Of course, Clay Thompson's been out. Um, and Damian Lee's been out now uh, and re- went out recently about a week ago, a key member of their rotation. So, I mean, this, this bench... Was, you know, Jordan Poole's been around, right? But outside of Jordan Poole, the Warriors played eight guys in this game. Juan Toscano Anderson played 28 minutes. Michael Mulder played 24. Jordan Poole played 16. That was it. Only three guys played off the bench for the Warriors. It was all Steph Curry and a little bit of Andrew Wiggins in this one and really nothing else. Nobody else scored more than 11 points for Golden State. And uh, Minnesota took advantage of a depleted Golden State team. They took advantage of being at home and a relatively healthy Timberwolves team, obviously minus Malik Beasley. But otherwise, this is now a healthy team. Finally, Um, the way the game flow went, it actually started out really slowly and fairly ugly for the Wolves. They were down 14-7 at about the 6.5, 6.20 mark in the first quarter. They could not get any offense going. D'Angelo Russell entered the game and things picked up a little bit. He scored some in the first quarter, but it was really just things seemed to move a lot better. The Warriors weren't respecting Ricky Rubio in terms of his his uh, ability to score. D'Angelo Russell obviously commands a different amount of respect, and we've seen that in recent weeks when he's on the floor compared to Rubio. They shared the floor for a little while, as well as uh, Russell and McLaughlin together. And the Wolves, their offense took off, and they ended up scoring thirty-five in the first quarter. And you know they only had seven at roughly the the midway point, so they scored. 28 points over the final 620 of the first quarter to go up 35 to 25 at the end of the first golden state though, turned the tables a little bit in the second, got to within two by halftime. So wolves are up to at, at the half. The second quarter was a lot of, um, Andrew Wiggins actually had a really good first half in general. The second quarter, even though the Warriors won that quarter by eight, it felt like the wolves were still kind of in control of this thing. It, it didn't feel like golden state was at any point going to run away with the game. Um, the third quarter is, after Wiggins had a strong first, Wiggins was completely quiet in the third. He didn't score at all. Steph Curry went off. He was nuts midway through the third, late third quarter, and the Warriors threatened to build a multi-possession lead, but instead it was only a two-point game going to the fourth. Minnesota's down to, but then Anthony Edwards, who only had nine points. This was really a game where you had guys that just had like big quarters, right? I mean, Curry was huge in the third. It was pretty good otherwise. Um, Wiggins was huge in the first and a little bit late, but not really in between, Anthony Edwards had nine points over the first three quarters and scored 16 in the fourth quarter alone to finish with 25 for the game. Um, He went on a a little like mini 12 to two, 12 to four run himself. He scored 12 straight end of third into the fourth quarter for the Timberwolves. And Towns was on the bench resting early in the fourth. And the second unit was playing so well that Chris Finch left Towns on the bench until Nas Reed tweaked his ankle. He appeared to tweak his ankle a little bit. Uh, About the midway point, six-ish minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter. Minnesota was up two possessions. They were up five at that point. Towns comes in and scores six straight points for the Timberwolves and puts them up double figures. And strong defense, strong rebounding down the stretch. Rebounding, we'll talk about this in Key Takeaways. I mean, this is a bad rebounding team, right? The Timberwolves have been all season. I've harped on it all season long. They rebounded the ball well in this game. They played strong defense. They scrambled down the stretch. And the Warriors never got to within six. I mean, they were up five. The the Timberwolves were up five when Towns came into the game with a little over six minutes left. They pushed the lead to double figures. The Warriors never got closer than six after that point. And it was all, I mean, they were only trying to get Steph Curry involved. Wiggins hit a couple of buckets, but uh, it was was all Curry, um, kind of desperation mode. And Ricky Rubio hit a bunch of free throws down the stretch when the Warriors tried to play the foul game. And Minnesota emerged with a double digit win over a team that very likely will be in the play-in. They're now 31 and 32. They've lost two straight, but they were above 500 earlier this week. And had already beaten the Wolves twice earlier this season, albeit minus towns and minus Russell. But um and it's a banged up team. And, you know, the Wolves, yeah, they beat Utah twice without Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you can every team's banged up though, right? And all the teams that beat the Wolves earlier this year could have said and probably should have said, "Oh, ah, well, the Wolves didn't have Towns, or the Wolves didn't have Russell, or the Wolves didn't have either of them in the case of Golden State back in January. So you got to win the games that are in front of you. You gotta beat the teams that, uh, you face regardless of who's wearing the jerseys. Right. And the Timberwolves did that in this game and they ended up with a double digit win. So I want to talk about key takeaways and there's a couple, I mean, rebounding is certainly part of it, but I want to talk about a couple of individual defensive efforts, a couple of players I haven't talked about yet for the wolves. And then also the wolves rotation in this game was, was pretty interesting. And and it continues to be one of the more fascinating things about the Chris Finch coaching era so far, if you can call the last what less than two months in era. But um, I mean, rotations, obviously some offensive innovation, but in this game specifically, it was rotations that were most intriguing to me. So I want to do that. And then we'll talk about individual studs and duds as we always do on the post-game podcast. First though, let's talk about betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week alone has tons of sports action. The NFL draft is underway. First round was Thursday night. Rounds two and three this evening. And the rest of the draft on Saturday. And the Kentucky Derby is back this weekend as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch... Head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Minnesota Timberwolves did a pretty good job of holding Steph Curry in check for most of this game outside of his really hot streak, uh, primarily in the third quarter. I mean, to be clear, Steph still finished with 37 points, but it took him 27 shots to do it, 6 of 17 outside the arc. I mean, that's below where we're used to seeing Steph shoot, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, what, 35-ish, 36% from outside the arc. And obviously, Steph's, what, a 43% three-point shooter, usually. The Wolves did a really good job of trying to run him off the line and at least make his life difficult. And Steph, for his part, there were a couple of open shots that just rimmed out for him. He had a, you know, a heave at the end of a quarter. So uh, overall, wasn't like a lockdown performance by any means, um, you know, giving up 37 points to Steph. But still, the Timberwolves did a fairly good job keying in on him. Josh Okogi early in the game was great. I mean, he was chasing him around and through screens. He was mostly contesting shots, almost every single shot attempt by Curry. And at times, Jade McDaniels ended up on an island against Curry and did a really good job. And both of them were very impressive defensively. And, you know, the Wolves' other three starters, Edwards, Towns, and Rubio, we'll talk about all of them here in a moment, they all scored 20-plus points. And McDaniels and Akogi were both under 10 points. The only other player on the Wolves that scored double figures was Nas Reid off the bench. But, I mean, that's what the that's what the Wolves are right now, right? They've got their three offensive or really two offensive-minded starters in Edwards and Towns and then D'Lo off the bench. And in this game, Rubio did a little more offensively than than we're accustomed to seeing. But McDaniels and Akogi have no offensive, the Wolves don't have any expectations for them offensively, right? I mean, McDaniels can occasionally, I mean, he's at a couple 20-point games. He has the scoring upside to be a, a, starter, a starting caliber. I mean, he's already a starter, but like an all-star caliber scorer, right? I mean, his upside is still... It's immense really, but he's been so good defensively and a pretty good role player on offense. In this game, he had eight points, five rebounds, four assists and only one turnover hit two threes, three of seven shooting. So he's efficient. He's a a decent cutter. He can improve there. He doesn't score much off the dribble, although he had a really nice behind the back uh, crossover move today where Steph Curry almost lost his balance and fell. And then McDaniels, I think ended up passing out of it or maybe missing the shot, but he didn't complete the play. I mean, he's got the ability to do these things on offense, but for the most part, he's staying within himself. He's he understands his role as a role player within the offense. And moving forward, if this is going to be a playoff team next year, McDaniel's is going to have to do a little bit more. Um, I mean, he's I guess he would still be the fourth option if Delos in the starting lineup, and you've got Edwards and Towns. But McDaniel's could be that efficient, you know, defensive minded role player who can, you know, every few nights he could score eighteen points for you and help you win a game offensively. And in this game, he was good on offense with the four assists and, and a couple of offensive rebounds as well. Akogi had six rebounds in only 19 minutes, which was good to see. Um, and he was good defensively, as I mentioned on, on Curry that both of them were, were quite good on defense. Jared Vanderbilt as well, really. I mean, if I was going to mention a third player who was strong defensively, Vando played 16 minutes. He actually had the second best plus minus on the team with a plus 11. He pulled down six rebounds in those 16 minutes. And, ended up on an island on the perimeter a couple of times and checked Steph Curry very very well which was extremely impressive. I mean he struggled earlier this year he struggled a little bit in space against players on the perimeter and and because he can't really guard bigger you know fours and fives in the post even though he provides energy and rebounding and in theory is a good a good secondary defender and good help defender. He sometimes was getting getting beat on blowbys on the perimeter earlier this year and he was very good in this game uh guarding out in space. And so that was really good to see too. So impressive defensive performance individually and as a team. I mean, we haven't seen this team move on a string defensively really all season and they were doing that. And and I I'm sure I I could guarantee you that that this is a huge this is largely a function of the team believing now that they can actually beat other teams. It's it, They finally found that balance between the irrational confidence. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in, in relation to their terrible first quarters is the Wolves win one game and then it's like, oh, we're good now. and And they just kind of roll the ball out and think they can win. And obviously that was never the case. And now they're confident enough because they've gotten a couple of these wins, but they also know how quickly things can change and how quickly they can get beat by any team in the league. After having the worst record in the NBA for most of the season. And they've kind of struck that balance now where the first quarters have gotten better. And obviously they've won four in a row and they've won what six out of eight, I believe. Um, and I mean, they're competing defensively and, and it seems like there's a purpose to what they're doing and they're scrambling, they're contesting shots, mostly under control. They're, they're covering each other. They're playing help defense. They're still not really boxing out, but they're at least Crashing the defensive glass and putting an effort in on that end of the floor uh, to, to secure the rebound and end a possession. And that's been an issue all season long. And, and it was it's really refreshing to see that effort. And so much of defense at the NBA level is effort. It's effort. I mean, the other team's going to score. I mean, giving up 100 points is is the normal thing to do these days in the NBA, right? And it has been for quite some time. Uh, so th- sometimes guys hit tough shots. Steph Curry is is a prime example. You can do anything or you can do whatever you want to guard Steph Curry. He's still going to make tough shots most nights of the, most nights of the week. Um, and the Wolves did everything else right in this game defensively. It was really impressive. And I mentioned rebounding. That would be another key takeaway for me. This is a team that has been a bottom five rebounding team across the board all season long. They came into this game. They've been, they've been improving. So they're now 22nd in total rebounds, average rebounds per game, and they're 25th in defensive rebound percentage. But they've been bottom three in both of those categories for most of the season. They're still only 27th in defensive rebounds per game. And part of that is due to giving up so many points. There's just less rebounds to grab. Um, but they've been a bad rebounding team all season long. And they've improved lately and playing teams like Sacramento certainly helped that, right? They played Sacramento a couple of times, beat them on the glass. They were competitive against shorthanded, you know, Utah Jazz teams on the glass. Um, But and Golden State's not an outstanding rebounding team either. But the Timberwolves were able to destroy them on the glass in this game by a 57 to 34 margin which is just, I mean, that doesn't happen, especially not for the Wolves. I mean, the Wolves have been genuinely bad, actually for years now, not just, not just this year. They've been bad for years um, rebounding the ball. And the Warriors statistically are a little better than them on the season in terms of rebound rate and total rebounds per game and all that. Um, but obviously they're shorthanded with no James Wiseman and, and uh, missing some other, you know, they've got some solid rebounding wings that weren't available as well. Uh, but the Timberwolves, I mean, they rebounded the ball and, and playing these big lineups, and they did a little bit less of this. Nas and Towns didn't really share the floor all that much in this one, if at all. I actually don't think they shared the floor at all, uh, which makes sense given given what the Warriors do, right, with Draymond Green at the four um, and Camon Looney's not exactly massive as a center and with no James Wiseman. There's no need for the Wolves to play huge, but the willingness of Chris Finch to play huge lineups and play Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three and Jaden McDaniels at the three and uh, Jared Vanderbilt at the four and never at the five. I mean, those the willingness to do that has opened up so many other opportunities. And in this particular game, these guys all rebounded the ball. I mean, nobody on the team had less than two rebounds. And uh, Dilo was the only one with less than four rebounds. He had two, everybody else had four or more rebounds, even Jordan McLaughlin in only 12 minutes of play. And part of that was how bad the Warriors were and and the Warriors not really understanding spacing or boxing out and, and having a relatively young lineup on the floor. But the Wolves were active and they deserve credit for that. I mean, they they did extremely well in the glass. and It was a big part of this game, limiting second chance points. And, uh, you know, the, the Warriors had, what, four offensive rebounds in this game. The Wolves had 16 offensive rebounds. So certainly made a difference. And, and again, the defense, as I mentioned a moment ago, both individually and as a team. The last key takeaway for me in this one, there was nothing really all that innovative in my mind offensively for the Wolves. But the rotation, the uh, the pulse that Chris Finch has in the game is just fascinating and, you know, we're only 20-some games into this thing in terms of Finch being the head coach. But the feel that he has is remarkable. Uh, he just seems to know the right buttons to push. And he's never, you know, nobody gets it right all the time. But it's almost like, you know, the the in-game adjustments and the rolling of certain lineups that there's some Rick, Rick Carlisle-esque elements to it. But, but Finch is just so incredible. At, at We saw this the other night where he closed with Rubio, even though Rubio hadn't had a great game to that point. But his defense was important. Well, D'Lo was going off offensively, and it worked. Rubio came up with a couple of big steals, two, three huge defensive rebounds late in the game uh, the other night. And we've seen him not use Rubio in closing minutes. A couple of times, he's not had Anthony Edwards on the floor to close games. Josh Kogi closed the game the other night that the Wolves won, uh, but he didn't close in this game and, and often doesn't under Chris Finch. Juancho Hernan Gomez has been anywhere from the fringe of the rotation and he isn't necessarily jerking guys around in their roles. It's really just the closing lineup, right? I mean, for the most part, minutes have been fairly consistent. Jordan McLaughlin has been last in minutes over the past couple of weeks, but he plays, you know, six, eight, 12, 14 minutes a game. And Nas occasionally plays the four or the five, but he's getting consistent minutes regardless of what role he's playing and you know Jared Vanderbilt has been a 10 12 14 minute a game guy so the minute fluctuation isn't crazy it's really just who's on the court at the end of the game and and finch has been pushing the right buttons pulling the right strings however you want to say it you know almost every night over the past couple of weeks certainly during this stretch of of six wins in in eight attempts six wins in eight games for the wolves and it's just amazing to me. The the willingness for him to roll with Nas Reed at the five and leave Towns on the bench in a two-possession game while Steph Curry is still pretty hot from the field. And the only reason Nas really came out is because it looked like he tweaked his ankle. I mean, it, Ryan Saunders, I just quite frankly, Saunders would have put Towns back in the game at his scheduled, you know, 10, nine and a half minute mark in the fourth quarter, especially at the first sign of trouble. And normally I'd be an advocate for, you, you know, when in doubt, roll with your best players, right? You lose with your best players on the floor. You don't. You don't wait too long to put your best player back in. But I would have been wrong in this instance, and so would Ryan, Ryan Saunders would have been wrong too. This was Chris Finch having a pulse on the game and knowing the right the right buttons to push at the right time, the right substitutions to make, the right substitutions or the wrong you know the wrong substitutions to not make. And that continues to be really impressive. And, and hopefully this isn't a situation where his luck's gonna run out. And it just is something that some coaches have. They have that intuition and the understanding of their team. And for Finch to have that so early in in his time with this team, two months in, it, it apparently is is really incredible. Um, and that's something we'll have to keep an eye on here moving forward. But in this particular game, it stuck out to me and, and it worked. And the Wolves never looked back once Towns came back in the game. And sure enough, when he came back in, he helped extend the lead from five points to double figures immediately, he scored the Wolves' next six points after he came into the game. Got fouled a couple of times, got to the free throw line, and it was it was curtains from there for the worst. They never got within two possessions. Um, so, fantastic job by Chris Finch manipulating the rotation and the uh, the bench unit, the minutes allocation in this game. Um, and uh, you know that's something that hopefully will continue for him and for the Wolves. All right, next I want to hit. Uh, individual studs and duds, as we always do. We haven't talked much about a couple of players who had really good games, and so I want to get into all that. First, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Of course, they're the title sponsors of today's show. Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar of all time. I can guarantee that. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. There's 18 amazing flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia are three of the newest flavors. They're three of my favorites as well. Uh, the coconut brownie chunk is the best flavor. I had a salted caramel, actually, on, uh, uh, today, or I guess on Thursday. And it was amazing. Um, so if you, if you are interested, if you want to eat a protein bar, if you eat protein bars, or even if you don't, I'm telling you this tastes exactly like a candy bar. It's amazing. You have to order built bars. Every single one is covered in hundred percent chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. If you're health conscious, they're perfect. If you're trying to lose weight, maybe just maintain weight. while still having a delicious treat built bars for you. Every single one is low calorie. They're low sugar. They're high in protein and high in fiber. If you're on the keto diet, they're perfect. You can go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com All right, individual studs and duds. Uh, for me, this is going to maybe be a little bit of a surprise. For me, Anthony Edwards actually was the number one stud in this game, and he didn't lead the team in scoring. He didn't lead them in rebounding or assists. He wasn't even necessarily the most efficient offensive player for the Timberwolves, but he knew his role, picked his spots and very, it didn't force anything for the first three quarters. He had nine points. You'd barely think he was on the floor. He was actually, I had in my notes, he was really struggling defensively early in this game. He had a couple of just complete blowbys on the perimeter. Um, he had a couple of just, you know, terrible transition moments And, you know, for those reasons, maybe I shouldn't be giving him a stud or at least not the number one stud. Usually I don't really do these in any particular order, but I thought he was the best, most important player on the floor down the stretch in this game when the game was kind of teetering early in the fourth. Steph Curry was hot. Edwards had only nine points over the first three quarters. Quarters had been very quiet. And then went off. He scored 16 in the fourth. Had 25 points for the game on 19 shots, 10 of 19 shooting. So better than 50 percent from the field. Three of six on threes. He didn't force too many threes. He did a little bit as he started to get hot. But even even that stage in the game, early in the fourth quarter, he went to the basket first and he got rolling by getting downhill, taking contact. He should have gotten a couple more trips to the free throw line. He only attempted three free throws in this game, which is nuts. But. He got into the paint, hit a couple of tough layups, which by the way, his low field goal percentage at the rim earlier this season, a lot of that was fluky and probably still learning to finish their contact at the NBA level. That's creeping up because he had some real tough shots in this game. And then that opened up and not literally because I think teams are, have been very willing to give him three point shots as opposed to allowing him to get downhill. Uh, but he made the three point shots that the Warriors allowed him to take. He was three of six on threes two of three at the line, 25 points, five rebounds, three assists, and a block, two turnovers in this game. And it was really good, especially in the fourth, had that huge run with Towns on the bench, the Wolves kind of teetering on, on the brink of, of, they were down at the start of the fourth, right? They were down by two. Steph Curry was hot. and Edwards stayed within himself, didn't get out of control, and had a solid offensive performance in the fourth quarter. And that was huge. If that's the version of Ant we get, then Ant can absolutely be a star. He's still 19 years old. And I, I harp a lot on his inefficiency, his, the defensive inconsistencies is which what mo- is what's most concerning to me. Cause even, even rookie Andrew Wiggins would occasionally lock down defensively. And we have not seen that consistently for Edwards. All the steals are nice and some of the anticipation stuff shows awareness and, and, and all that. But I, I mean, defensive issues for him have been very real. And that to me is the biggest concern. But when you close like this in the fourth quarter, you can get past some of that and you realize just how immense the potential is for Anthony Edwards. Great game for Ant. Number two for me on the stars list is Ricky Rubio. 26 points on 13 shots. Talk about efficiency. 26, six assists, six rebounds, two steals, zero turnovers, zero turnovers. Seven of 13 shooting from the field. Greater than 50%, five of eight on threes. He made five threes in this game, a perfect seven of seven at the line, nailed a set of free throws down the stretch as the Wolves were hanging on to win the game. He was a team best plus 17. Nobody else was better than a plus 11. So he was a plus 17 in a game they won by 12. Really, I I guess, I don't know, now that I'm looking at his line, I I feel like I should have given him the number one stud in this game, right? 26 points on 13 shots, a plus 17, six assists, no turnovers. He was fantastic. Really good game from Ricky. One of the better games we've seen in a while. And he was confident. He obviously was, was you know, when he gets coming up the court and can step into a three-pointer on a catch-and-shoot situation, he's actually a pretty reliable three-point shooter. I mean, remember, he was uh, he was like 36% last year in, uh, in Phoenix. I mean, he's been bad from three this year. He was a shade under 30% coming into this game. But just last season, he was 36.1% with Phoenix. First year in Utah, 35% that's pretty much league average, a hair above league average, right? Um, The percentage he was shooting coming into this game is the worst of his career since his middle season in Minnesota, his fourth season in Minnesota, when he shot 25% from three, and that was an injury short, and he had the ankle issue, so he came back injured. So this would effectively be his worst shooting season, if you take that out, since his second year in the league. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, Rubio was 36% last year. So It'd be nice to see him get a little bit hot here at the end of the year, and and if nothing else, you know, regain that confidence, build his trade value, or encourage the Wolves to hang on to him at the start of next year, see how things unfold, and potentially trade him at the deadline, because, of course, he's got the expiring deal after next season, but um, Ricky was very good. I You know, I, I digress in talking about Rubio's future with the team, but it's good to see him. Really have an efficient game and have a positive impact beyond just the intangibles and beyond the great team defense and all that stuff. He was really good on both ends of the floor in this game. Carlton Anthony Towns was also good. He gets a stud award in this one, 22 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists, only two turnovers. Six of 18 shooting, wasn't a great mark. He wasn't great on two-pointers in this game. He was only three of 11 on two-point attempts. Had a tough go of it in the paint, had some wild shot attempts because he was trying to draw fouls. And and he did get 10 free throw attempts, easily could have gotten more, but he went through kind of this, this stretch third quarter as the Warriors were making their push where he got a technical Draymond Green obviously tried to get into his head after that and was uh you know talking to him and and pushing him and trying to trying to draw Towns into something trying to draw the the silly offensive foul and and of course that's what Draymond Green does it's also what Towns is known to do is get into his own head a little bit because he gets bothered by a lack of foul calls or perceived you know slights from the officials and to Towns credit he bottled that up and, and somehow didn't get out of control. He ignored Draymond green, got actually Draymond green, got a a couple of fouls called on him trying to guard towns aggressively, which was what should have happened. Um, Kent Bazemore got frustrated with the lack of calls, got a technical and, and towns kept things from unraveling. And he, he did attempt some silly shots, but that's better than offensive fouls. It's better than him picking up fouls, period frustration, fouls on either end of the floor, committing turnovers. Um, Towns had a couple of quick turnovers in this one but outside of that was good. Uh 22 11 and 7, 3 of a 7 on 3 of 7 on three-pointers, 7 of 10 at the line. And uh he was a plus 3 in 33 minutes. He only had to play 33 minutes because he sat for the first half of the fourth quarter and the Wolves did fine without him out there. He only had two fouls. So this wasn't a foul trouble situation. It was just That you know, Chris Finch was able to give some rest. Edwards played 35 minutes. No one else played more than 33, and that was really good to see. Uh, Part of D'Angelo Russell being healthy and back, and this three-headed you know Jordan McLaughlin, D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio um, rotation in the backcourt has been really beneficial to keep guys off their feet uh, for for chunks of games, and so that's been uh, that's worked out to the Wolves' advantage over the stretch. Super hard to pick a dud for this game. I'm not even going to do it. uh, okay. I feel like I have to. If I do, it's Jordan McLaughlin. He had three bad turnovers. All of them were really ugly. A couple of them were back to back in the second quarter as the Warriors were making a push and got within two at halftime. He did have eight points and four rebounds in twelve minutes, shot three of six, made a couple of threes, and he was a plus six. But the three turnovers were bad. He committed three fouls in twelve minutes. Just not J Max Knight. Um just a little bit sloppy. And and, you know, if I'm being honest though, the whole team Played fairly well. Should shout out Wancho. He had another good game 9.7 rebounds, 3 of 6 shooting, made 3 three pointers on 4 attempts, and was really good in 23 minutes. Was second in minutes off the bench next to D.Lo. Solid game from him. Nas Reed also 13 and 5, 6 of 9 shooting. He appeared to tweak his ankle midway through the fourth quarter. We'll see if he's available Saturday. Hopefully he is. Otherwise, Um, I mean, I guess we might get to see some Ed Davis in that scenario, but Nas has been so good lately that it would be a shame to see him miss any time while he's rolling. But, um, you know, and he's made the most of his short minutes, right? I've talked in the past quickly when, when Towns was out earlier this season and Nas started, he had a couple of good games, but would typically follow that up, up with two, three, four, really quiet games, inefficient games. He would just kind of disappear. He was poor defensively and, I really do think that Nas's best role is as like a third or fourth big who can play somewhere between 12 and 18 minutes a game and just really own those minutes. I mean, he does so much in such a little amount of time and he's been so confident, you know, getting the ball in the post. Lately, he's been letting it fly from three again and he's been much better defensively too. He's in better shape than he was at the start of the season, certainly, and that's a huge part of it but he's moving his feet, he's being active on the boards, he's been genuinely good over the past several weeks, and I think he's just, his role could just be one of the best backup centers in the league, and, and, and the ability to play the four next to Towns in certain situations. It's been a lot of fun to watch Nas Reed of late, and hopefully he's he is healthy, hopefully that ankle isn't, a, isn't an issue, and we get to see him again on Saturday. All right, uh, speaking of Saturday, peeking ahead, so this is Friday's show. We will not have a show on Saturday, but Saturday night, the Wolves take on the New Orleans Pelicans, and it's another very winnable game at Target Center. Of course, the Wolves beat the Pelicans right out of the All-Star break several weeks ago now, but that was that was the first post-All-Star break game. They won that game fairly easily. So the Wolves play the Pelicans at 7 on Saturday. We will have a post-game pod that we'll post early on Sunday, and then right back at it next week, shows Monday through Friday, the Wolves... Actually have three consecutive off days before they play again, which is next Wednesday. They'll host uh, the Memphis Grizzlies next Wednesday at Target Center. So Saturday night game, Sunday, post-game pod from Saturday night's game, and then back Monday through Friday of next week. Be sure that if you're not already, that you follow the podcast anywhere you like to listen to podcasts that includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow along on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's. C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's all we have for you today. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. One last reminder for you. If you're not already listening to or following the Locked On Today podcast, be sure that you do that. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name's Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.